Welcome to the Conversations with Women of Color podcast with your hosts Danusha and Megan. In today's episode, we chat with Jean Harkett, founder and managing director of Storybook Communications. Jean has more than 20 years experience as a communications and investor relations manager in South Africa and abroad. Today she chats with us about the role of public relations, what skills are needed to stand out, and a few misconceptions about the PR industry. Enjoy. Hi. Hi Jean. Hi Jean. How are you both? Very well. Thank you for asking. How are you this evening? I'm very well. A little cold, but I'm keeping warm with some tea. I'm freezing. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's really cold. Yeah, no, it's the worst. But hopefully by the weekend, it's not going to be that cold. Yeah, we, we all hope so. Yeah. For now, we'll just continue drinking uh, lots and lots of tea. Yes, lots and lots of tea. Especially <laughs> during level four. We are drinking lots and lots of tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you also low there on the alcohol tube? Are you running over no, there? I'm actually no. not. <laughs> I just feel that maybe it's also a good time for me to kind of uh, take a break and yes. just kind of reset a bit because, you know, if, if what you're doing is creating content around booze, um, it yeah. does get a bit much. Um, I, I get to a point where sometimes I say to, to my hubby, I'm really not in the mood for a drink tonight because it feels a little bit like work. And when that happens, yeah. I take a break. That the creativity yeah. can come back and the spark can come back. And so I'm kind of in a little bit of that phase now where I'm just taking a step back so that I can fall in love again. Mm. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, so Jean, welcome to the Conversations with Women of Color podcast. Please tell us more about yourself and um, your role in PR. So I have a 22-year relationship or um, relationship with the PR industry. And I say relationship because public relations is all about relationship. And it really is a love affair. I've been around for 22 years. Uh, I've owned my own consultancy for 10 years this year, which is really exciting. We will be 10 in December. And it is truly the best decision I've ever made to go into public relations and also the best decision I made to um, go into a consultancy. So I'm the managing director of Storybook Communications and yeah, huge advocate of uh, influencer marketing, responsible communication, responsible marketing with influencers. And I'm really excited about the questions that you're going to ask me this evening. Wow, I had no clue that you were working in PR for 22 years. <laughs> sure, that Me is too. incredible. <laughs> I'm sure you have yeah, um, so many stories. I, I do. I mean, obviously, there are some stories as a publicist, a big part of the job is to be discreet. Mm. <laughs> so there's, there's quite a few stories <laughs> that, I, that I cannot tell. Um, but yeah. It's, it's been fun. I've, I've seen the cross-section of different industries, um, from financial to fuel regulation, consumer PR. I work with the Food Lovers Market Group as a key account at the moment, as well as with clients in the medical um, field at the moment. So, yeah, it's, it's really a cross-section of different industries, and I love it because mm. you are exposed to so many different things on a daily basis. So you've got 22 years um, experience in PR and obviously like you mentioned now 
of that 22 years, you've owned your own um, consultancy for 10 years. Now, there's this misconception that just anyone and everyone can do PR. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? Well, the misconception is unfortunately very true. And it comes from a long history of people going into the industry with no training in comms, PR, or journalism. And it seems from the idea that PR is a parties and balloons career, I feel. And it's really not about those events and glamorous press drops. It's, they are just the vehicles that we use. And it's certainly not just about the broad strokes of, of saying we're creating awareness. Uh, public relations is 100% about relationship, reputation, and strategy. And this is something that is far more technical than writing a presser or sending a press drop or creating an event. It's about positioning yourself as a partner to your client's business, a trusted advisor, and as someone that is ready to go into battle to protect the reputation of your client. And it's certainly not about spin doctrine. So it's technical, it's strategic, and so much can go wrong if you're not equipped. I love how you put it, um, to really uh, fight hard for the brand reputation. I think um, when you say that, it means that you also are part of the brand and you kind of live the brand, believe um, what you're doing as well for them, you believe in it. I wanted to ask you though, um, was PR something that you always wanted to get into since you're doing it for 22 years? <laughs> um, I went to Varsity with the idea of studying journalism. And very early on, you get exposed to the idea of the newsroom and journalism as an industry. And I realized very quickly that it is really just not my skilled set and my fortitude to be in a newsroom. Um, it's also about, and this is going to sound horrible in some senses, but I was a capitalist at heart, even back then. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, I'm not going to buy shoes if I'm a journalist. I'm never going to be able to get those shoes. I'm, I'm going to have to kind of get into a career that um, is going to give me the opportunity to earn the type of money that I wanted to earn. And mm. I also wanted to be able to earn that money, but also do something I loved. I spoke to somebody who said to me that I've got the perfect personality, they thought, and this perfect interpersonal skills to look at public relations as a career option. And yeah, that's where it started. I didn't have to change my tertiary qualifications in order to achieve it, not much, but I'm glad I made the change. And it's good that you had somebody there to kind of advise you as to where your skills lie. Because often we go into the right part, but then it's the segment or, you know, a specific field in that that may be suited to us. I think that was a good decision on your part. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> so speaking about that, what qualifications or experience do you need to be a PR specialist? So generally, a tertiary degree in public relations, comms or journalism is a very good idea. It's a requirement, in fact. My path was a bachelor's in communication and a post-tertiary in corporate and crisis comms. But it's also more than that. You can have the degree, but you need to have that extra bit of magic. It's about the other stuff that can sometimes not be taught, like being articulate and knowing how to write and speak with clarity, having a good grasp of language and being able to 
to write and speak in an engaging way. And for some people, it's instinctive. And for others, it's a bit more work. You should also have great interpersonal skills because relationships and tact and diplomacy is basically your bread and butter. Um, if you factor that, on top of all of the things that I've mentioned, you're also required to be the calmest person in the room when there is chaos happening around you. Uh, it, it means that you have to be you know, tough as nails and, um, and, and you must be able to, to understand and unpack dense information at record speed. So yeah, um, it's not just about qualification. It is, uh, as you know, Liam Neeson would say, uh, you need a very special skill set. Um, and I've had interviews with newly graduated aspiring publicists or even publicists that are in the field for about five to 10 years. And five minutes in, I realized that they're actually not a good fit for what is required because they lack certain elements of that skill set, um, the magic that makes up a good publicist. I actually had no clue that, you know, it's it's not just the qualifications, but there are other uh, crucial skills um, that you need um, for this industry. Now, speaking of which, I always notice that in the PR industry, they are mostly women. Why is it? We are the men. Why are there no men in this industry? There's no men because it's a really hard job. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. No, actually, seriously, um, look, there's no actual research that I know of, especially in South Africa, but it is true that there are uh, less men in the industry. But you know what's a pity as well is that um, there's less men in the industry, but the men that are in the industry are also in very senior or director positions. And while mm. they are great at their jobs, it begs the question, why, if there are so many women in the industry, are there so few industry leaders? And I had, mm. a few thoughts, I had a few thoughts about why there are less men. I can't answer the question in a nutshell about why there are less women in senior positions, but just on the fact that there's less men, the first idea is that I've seen young women go into this industry purely because they have an idea that being publicist is all about Jimmy Choo's and champagne. And even harder hitting mainstream pop culture influences such as um, Olivia Pope from Scandal or Samantha Jones from Sex in the City are hardly an accurate example of what day-to-day -day PR is about, but it does give a very glamorous kind of idea. The net result is that a lot of people come into the industry um, and these industry professionals gravitate to consumer PR very early on because the nuts and bolts of crisis comms or advocacy or lobbying is just too jarring for them. And then if you conversely think about males, I can't think of a single male pop culture reference that would have encouraged any young men to go into this industry. And then the second thing is that I feel that traditionally, and this is just traditional kind of stereotypes that hopefully are being changed, more women earn degrees in languages, comms, journalism, mass media. And men tended to go into STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math. What I find exciting at the moment is that there are so many programs that's coming up and that's in place in South Africa, especially, that's encouraging young girls to go into these STEM 
um, subjects and careers at a very young age, at school level. So we'll see more women going into science, tech, engineering, and maths. And so while we're breaking down gender stereotypes in 2021, all over the internet, let's also address the gender stereotypes <laughs> around career choices and the idea that some careers are soft and therefore female orientated. I mean, I would like to see a change in perception about comms as a whole. It's not a, a soft career path at all. And a good publicist is required to unpack very dense subject matters and look at issues on a macro and a micro level. So if you will, Imagine a world where your choice of career and studies is not defined by your gender, but by your intellect and interests. So I'm hoping for a better tomorrow. That's all I'm saying. I absolutely love that. I love the way you framed it. And I think that, you know, in the past, many men were advised to go into STEM careers and now women are Oh, young girls are motivated to also get into those fields. Uh, we had Nafisa on the podcast a little while ago, and she explained that as well. And she said that, you know, at a school level, we should be mentoring these kids. We should be um, definitely advising them to go into where their interests and also um, kind of academic skills yeah. are aligned as well. So yeah. I want to just ask as well, well, then being a woman of color in NPR and comms, has it been a struggle for you or how, how would you describe it? Um, I wouldn't say that I didn't have moments in my career where I was the only woman in the room or the only person of color in the room. And then sometimes you have that double whammy where you are the only person of color and the only female sitting at the table. Mm -hmm. But I come from a, a background, and I say background because I was taught to, um, to kind of deal with these kinds of things head on, um, not to make it the entire thing, the whole of the thing, but to extract from a situation what you need and move on. So yes, in short, there's been moments where it's been really frustrating. Um, but I would like to say that my, the way I've approached things, and obviously there's been lessons that's been learned, and I've, I've, through experience, I've grown and I've developed, and my understanding of how to tackle certain, certain situations and establish barriers and also break through glass ceilings have come only through years of experience. But now, years later, I am a lot more comfortable in my skin going into situations which feels still that we're stuck in a 10, 15 years ago type situation. I'm able to verbalize in a very authoritative way. I have able to move on from the idea of feeling like an imposter and to owning my own space in these rooms. So it's not that much of an issue for me anymore because I feel strong in what I, in my position. I feel comfortable in my own skin. I feel comfortable with my experience and the advice I can offer. I think it's gonna take lots of time um, for us to see um, more diversity in every single industry. But then I just wanna uh, speak a little bit about information sharing and 
social media. So social media is this dominant force in terms of information sharing, especially amongst um, you know, millennials and Gen Z. So these days users can just go online and they find information instantly. You know, there's also this um, instant gratification that needs you know, to be fulfilled. Now, considering um, the need to provide information in such a fast-paced world, how has the role of PR changed um, over the within the last uh, five years? Well, certainly our ways of engaging has had to evolve. We've had no choice. And if anybody was being stubborn about the fact that we've had to change, 2020 kind of came along and hit us on our head, and now we know better. So we've had to evolve. Um, what that means for, for publicists is that we've had to consider how our message now lives beyond a presses sent for broadcast and print. And that means that when we write and speak, we do it with multiple channels and a faster pace in mind. So we're talking SEO rich digital press releases and 360 conversations, um, and it's a two-way thing. Um, our vehicle of getting our message out there has certainly evolved from the one-way communication channel of sending a presser to a journalist and is now fully-fledged 360 uh, real-time conversation where you can get <laughs> instant feedback. And sometimes, you know, that instant feedback isn't exactly what you hoped it should be, um, especially if you're on Twitter. But uh, this is the game. This is where we're at. And so we're becoming more agile we're becoming more flexible. And it means that we're required to be on top of things and be responsive, often in real time. And it's not easy. I have been in that space where I feel that we are not responding on behalf of the brand fast enough, but there's a lot happening you know, behind the scenes for a brand in terms of sometimes they have to investigate something or they have to look into, they have to, uh, consult with people internally and every second that that is happening which is very essential but every second that is happening as a publicist or even as a digital manager you're stressing because you want to respond as fast as possible um however i embrace it i love it i feel it's an incredible and incredibly efficient way of reading the room and the tone so to speak. Um, I love that you guys, you know, you move towards being more agile. I think, you know, being a blogger myself, um, sometimes I felt as though, you know, the PR kind of just like isn't where it is, like it isn't as instant or it isn't as fast um, or the information was, you know, a little bit more, it was too much in a sense. Um, but I see that, you know, over time it is changing. So, I wanted to ask, in terms of blogging and the influencer marketing space, how does that role, how does the PR work with the influencer and the brand? What is the role there? And then when you're done with that, what advice do you have for, for both brands and bloggers that um, maybe that's at the top of your mind? Okay, so in terms of... of working with brands, we don't have an us and them approach at all. I, I left um, my role working as a, an account director for an agency specifically because 
I felt that there was a different way to handle client relationships. And that is now the, the, the center point, the absolute heart of our business, it's relationships. So we prefer to work as part of a brand team. Um, we, that means that there's a fair bit of impetus from us to know the brand really well and to be involved in cross sections of the business because it enables us to know what the touch points are, but also what the sore points are. Um, for me, a sign of a good relationship is if you are able to advise your client and challenge ideas. So in short, it's about having a seat at the table because so often communications is the last consideration, but it's the one element that makes or breaks everything. Our relationship with Food Lovers Market, for instance, is exactly like that. They're an incredible company. They're very fast-paced. They're innovative. They're agile. But they're also very happy to hear new ideas and be advised, which makes working for them for the past 10 years such an absolute pleasure. And I've become such a passionate brand advocate because of that. And then on the influencer brand relationships, oh, I think you ladies will agree with me that it's been a minefield. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, we, I think you will also agree that because there's no standardization or regulation, it means that the relationship is open to abuse and open to abuse sometimes both ways. And so yeah. um, it feels like the Wild West, but if I think, if I had to just, you know, encapsulate it, there's four things for me that's important in influencer brand relationships. I would say it's having realistic expectations regarding campaigns and deliverables. It's about exercising fairness. That's the second one. And that for me is from the scope of work that is expected to payment um, on time. That's all within the scope of exercising fairness. Um, the third one for me is about establishing boundaries. I've been contacted by influencers at 10 p.m. at night or at odd times on the weekend. And then it's not necessarily urgent, but it's quite demanding in terms of response. But conversely, brands have to respect boundaries as well and have to understand that although influencers are by nature online, it doesn't mean they're available outside the agreed campaign parameters. And then the final thing for me, which is my biggest bugbear always, is being a professional. And there's a huge issue with professionalism in the, in the industry. And when you find a content creator that treats their brand like a business and they're professional, you basically hold tight with both hands. Because meeting deadlines and reading briefs correctly, getting approval of captions and images and videos, and even invoicing on time so you can pay people on time. These are all incredibly important to us as the conduit, but also to the brands, because it shows that um, what you're trusting somebody with, with your brand essence, with, with your messaging, and it shows that they have respect for it. But also, once again, similarly, the expectation is that the brands act in the very same manner. 
Those are excellent tips. I especially love the fact that you should treat your blog or your social media pages as a business. On the topic of influencer marketing, this is such a new industry in South Africa. And because it's new, obviously there are blurred lines. Sometimes there are some unethical practices. Every single day you see more influencers enter in the market. And while I think that is amazing, Sometimes I do feel a bit concerned because there are no proper guidelines to teach influencers or, or content creators how to, you know, run the blog or the social media pages as a business. Unfortunately, sometimes they see bigger influencers uh, posting, you know, the press drops or gifts that they receive from a brand. And they also want to be part of that discussion. They also want to promote that product. Then they approach the brand, whether it's via social media or email, and unfortunately, they ask for freebies. How do you feel about influencers asking for freebies? I have to be honest, I'm not crazy about it, but it's not the, the question, it's not the request, it's the manner of approach that grates me the most. Um, there's, a, there's a bit of a misconception, I think, that PR agencies and publicists have unlimited access to our clients' products and that we have massive budgets and we're just not being transparent. And in some cases, we do have good budgets if it's a, you know, a key campaign. Like I've worked on Marvel for Food Lovers Market just now. I'm not saying it was a big budget, but I'm just saying I could play. You know, I could, I could really create beautiful press drops and, and that type of thing. And, and then it's really fun to put together um, these beautiful packages. But then when you're getting inbox, even in your private space, in your person, you know, your personal Instagram or your inbox, and people are saying, but are you going to give me one? I've got seven kids and I'm not going to be able to. Wow. (laughs) But if you give me three mugs, that would help me along. You know, that's, that's, I'm sorry, this is not the kind of, once again, it's about professionalism. So it's a tough economic client. The budgets are of a nature that we have become far more strategic about press drops and handing out products or services. So, I mean, you guys have heard the analogy of when a child leaves the house, a little bit of their parents' heart is there with them. It's the same for us. Mm-hmm. Whenever a press drop or package leaves our office, it's our hard work, it's our client's budget, and the essence of the brand is distilled in that package going off to someone. So I don't mind if you approach us, but do it through the correct channels and certainly send us your media kit and rate card and pitch to us why you're a good fit and what kind of value we can expect. Um, mm-hmm. And then we need to show the return of investment for giving you something, but then, or, or else we're throwing money in a down a black hole but you know conversely sorry I'm going on a bit but conversely on the other side when brands approach you the influencer and um, ask if they can send you press drop it can also be tricky in today's world Mm. I absolutely Mm -hmm. believe that influencers um, are running a business and clients should recognize that so I'm a big advocate of paid campaigns however there are times when you just don't have access to that budget you really don't, but you have the product or service and you just know it's a really great fit for someone um, and you will only know if you have a good relationship with them. 
And that's when I pick up the phone and I have a conversation um, about a trade exchange or unboxing of products with a caveat that I know that a content creator cannot possibly deliver um, the same value with the trade exchange or just a press drop as they would with a paid campaign. So I know that perhaps I'll just get a few stories out of that, but you do have situations where brands are almost demanding when they send a product that in exchange, you do a post, 10 stories, a reel, and maybe an IGTV video. And that's just ridiculous. It's, um, it's just not fair. My biggest motivation is to make sure that people don't get ripped off on either side, I think. Mm, so what do you say to a brand when they're like, okay, I want 10 stories from this one press drop? or whatever they want. I'm very proud to say that no brand has ever asked me that. I've seen it. I've seen it with other brands and I've experienced it since I created my little cocktail feed last year during lockdown. Oh, yes. Yeah. I've been approached by brands that have um, that have said that they want a full list. Their, their brief is quite comprehensive for what they are willing to give. And uh, I've I've absolutely said no because I wouldn't be practicing what I preach if I accepted a package um, and then allowed myself to basically be slave labor. Not on. Good on you. I wanted to just ask one final thing. What do you think the future of PR is, Jean? Oh, so there was a guy called Ivy Lee just bear with me for a second. There's a guy called Ivy Lee. He is considered to be the father of public relations. And he operated in the early 1900s. He created the first press release. He pioneered the idea of creating credibility through third party endorsement and also smart storytelling, storytelling and all of those things, the credibility through third-party endorsement and smart storytelling still is the baseline and will continue to be the baseline for public relations, in my opinion. However, going forward, it will no longer just be about the earned media space. In other words, just about that third-party endorsement through a journalist. I mean, I see in, in my own consultancy, that we're expected as publicists to contribute and offer so much more than just a media release and media relations. Clients are asking for our input and execution on everything from event development, advertising, media buying, content creation, influencer strategy, and even video production. And for me, that means that in some instances, we, we've had to change the look of the modern day agency to retain specialists who can offer these services going forward, or if we have to upskill ourselves. Um, and I say that specifically because if I'm going to be annoyed that people that are not equipped are coming into the industry and saying they'll do PR by the same token, I cannot put myself forward as an SEO specialist. So it's important to then change your model and contract the correct people within your agency to offer those things for your client. But most excitingly and importantly, I feel the role of a publicist will have a bigger focus on strategic advice and creative thinking. 
crisis management and digital and social media. Um, I believe it's all about going forward, it's all about offering more while having a seat at that table. If anyone listening wants to get in contact with you, um, where can they find you? What is your website address? And um, can you also share your social media handles? Sure. So um, they can get hold of us uh, on our website, uh, www.wearestorybook.com. We are Storybook. And on Instagram, which is our preferred, and that's at Storybook Communications, or on Twitter, at Storybook PR. When you go onto Instagram, you can also find our, um, our, our hub email, which is picked up by the entire team, and that's hello at wearestorybook.com. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jean. Oh, thank you so much yeah. for, um, for the opportunity. Uh, this is fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining Conversations with Women of Colour. Check out our Instagram page called Conversations with Women of Colour and we'll see you there.